Howdy, everyone. On today's episode, we talk about how lost in the conversation around the Biden administration's plan to forgive some student loan debt is that it doesn't really address one of the chief causes of the problem to begin with, and that's the higher education institutions themselves. We also interviewed a concerned Texas taxpayer over the deceptive way that their own city is reducing transparency when it comes to setting their property tax rates. We also discussed recent statewide polling that indicates more and more Texas taxpayers are they're wanting true relief from state lawmakers when they convene in January. Stay tuned. Good evening and welcome to Taxpayer Talks, the podcast where we hold Austin accountable by sharing news with taxpayers and keeping you up to date with news that affects your wallet. My name is Tim Harden, President of Texans for Fiscal Responsibility. This is my partner, Jeremy, our Executive Director. How are you doing today, Jeremy? I'm doing all right, man. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. How's your week been? What have you been working on? It's been good, man. Like, as you know, right, we're just, we're trying to kind of figure out still where these local governments are on, whether they're adopting things like the no new revenue rate, right? Or if they aren't, what rate are they trying to set it at? Is the voter approval rate, right? All of those things. And sadly, there's not really a central repository for all that information as of yet, right? Eventually the comptroller will gather all that, but not as of yet. And so we're just trying to kind of collate that. And it's a good reminder for anyone out there, right? If you, if you know whether your local government or not is adopting uh, the no new revenue rate or not, let us know, you know? Yeah, I think for me, you know, it has been kind of a, a slow news week this week uh, at the forefront is, is property taxes. You know, everybody, all these uh, cities are creating their budgets. I had an opportunity uh, to speak uh, with a woman out in Duncanville, which we're going to talk about uh, in the podcast today. Uh, it was an awesome interaction. And of course, this evening, I am speaking at uh, Wise County Conservatives, uh, and we're going to be talking about the Texas Prosperity Plan. So if y'all are over uh, in the, the Wise County area, uh, y'all come out and see us. Um, but hey, let's get into the news today. Okay, Jeremy, well, I know you're working on uh, an article involving the student loan debacle. You want to fill us in on what's going on there? Yeah. So, I mean, this is of no surprise for anyone that's been either watching the, the news or you've been on social media. Obviously, it kind of cut. Uh, there, there was a firestorm of people on both sides of this issue over the last two weeks or so talking about the student loan debt forgiveness uh, plan that, uh, that the Biden administration rolled out. You know, albeit it should be noted, it's still there's still questions of whether or not he had the legal authority to do so. But uh, what I wrote about this week was specifically, um, you know, it what's kind of lost in the conversation seems to be the one of the biggest drivers of this problem, which is the higher education institutions themselves. And so, uh, you know, I, I mentioned quite a few things, but I think what's of note certainly is that, you know, according to the plan, if you review the Biden administration's plan, it forgives, you know, using air quote forgives, it really collectivizes the debt and puts it on all the all taxpayers, but it forgives the debt uh, for, you know, certain sp uh, classes of individuals, right, under certain income thresholds and what have you. But it does not address um, some of the key drivers of the increased costs, right, for instance, for higher education, which are the institutions themselves, right, things that are highly subsidized by government already. And of course, as you know, right, one of the biggest concerns that come with, quote unquote, forgiving debt uh, like this is that, 
all the higher education institutions are going to do is just raise their tuition, right? And fees to match uh, whatever it is, the amount of forgiveness is um, that way they don't lose out on money and that sort of thing. And there's no, there's no um, barriers in this plan to prevent them from doing that. So. Yeah, they're definitely, uh, if you remember when they, they announced the, the credit and the, and the big, uh, the, the EV credit, uh, Ford immediately raised, raised their price with $8,000. And that's immediately what I thought of. I'm like, well, tuition is just going to go up. Uh, and it seems like they're, they're making the problem worse. And as I've been paying attention, uh, to, I can't even, she's so forgettable, whatever her name is, the woke, the woke girl who, uh, who's the, um, the press, uh, the press girl with, uh, Biden's administration. Uh, I forget the, the, the new ones. Now. Uh, I know it used to be. Jennifer, yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so she, um, you know, when she's asked about, you know, who is going to pay for this? I think Kamala was asked, who's going to pay for this? No one has answered this question. It, they dodge, and then they say things like, you know, oh, you know, the people who, uh, who who spent this amount of money are the ones who are complaining about this. And it's like, so so who's paying for this, though, right? Uh, and the reality is it's the same thing that when we talk about exemptions, you know, ex- uh, property tax exemptions, right? Uh, someone's going to pay and fill in that gap. And so if, if we're exempting a certain portion of the population, well, it's the rest of the population that picks that up. And the same thing uh, works here on the on the student loan you know when we have what i think it was quoted 13 percent of people who qualify for this uh the rest of us are going to share roughly i think what i heard twenty five hundred dollars each uh to pay for all these liberal arts degrees um and so you know someone will pay uh it's just sad it's not the people who signed a contract that said they would pay right yeah and i think like it should be noted outside of just that problem with it right is that you're gonna pay and they know this it's gradually right so like it's not like you're just writing a twenty five hundred dollar check that tax gets instituted over time right and it increases right all kind of levels of this and so uh they know this right and and so it may sound good right in this kind of like weird world where we're like, oh, we're forgiving debt. We're bringing people out of debt. But the reality is, is that for people that made different choices, right, for taxpayers that made different choices, maybe they didn't go to college or maybe they went to college, had some debt and already paid it off. You're effectively telling them that, you know what, you're you're a schmuck. You shouldn't have done that. Right. (laughs) We're going to go ahead and give you right some of the burden of people that have chosen for whatever reason not to pay it back it's a kind of a perverse thing if you think about it in that context yeah when i when i think about a lot of my friends who who did not go to university i uh, you know i went and i even accumulated some debt which i've taken care of but um you know a lot of my friends went into trade schools uh and they were debt free and honestly, ended up making way more money than the rest of my friends. Uh, and now, because of their good decision, they're getting rewarded with all of my friends who got theater arts degrees and useless degrees. They're now being saddled with that debt. And so, you know, th- this seems to be an election play, but I'm not so confident it's going to play out very well for the Biden administration. Uh, the working class is the one getting stuck with this, and they're losing those votes. Sure. And yeah, not to mention, as we, we said earlier, is looked like there's definitely going to be some legal questions that come yep. with this on whether or not this can even happen. Um, I don't have the exact dates in front of me, but right, like the, the, the website that they've instituted or set up through the, the um, U.S. Department of Education, I think goes live right in mid-October. I think they came out already and said, because government's government, right, and said that this is going to take four to six weeks to process any would-be um, you know request for forgiveness. And so, you know, that starts pegging you near the end of, you know, 
November, early December. And I think there's a deadline at the end of December, right, for those that qualify. Because remember, one of the things that come with this plan is that they delayed the payments, right, one yeah. last time, even though we've done that quite a few times now, one last time until the end of, uh, of December of this year, right? And so, you know, there's the, some economists are even, you know, they're factoring that into the overall cost of this plan, right? Because we've delayed it even more, is that the cost itself kind of just exponentially grows. Um, and taxpayers should absolutely be concerned. Yeah, I, I would assume the Biden administration, and I don't know their time frame. I don't think they've even announced it, but I would assume, you know, they're trying to make th- this forgiveness as quick as possible because once it's done, it's that much harder to undo. If it was challenged in the Supreme Court, I mean, uh, after you've already forgiven all this debt, what are you going to do? Go back and say, just kidding. Uh, here's here's your uh, $10,000 back. You got to you gotta pay on that. You know, what, what, what is the quote? There's nothing as permanent as a government program, right? So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, speaking of, uh, of debts, uh, I wrote recently uh, on uh, the city of Dunkerville, you know, we had a, uh, a subscriber reach out. Uh, of course, we reported on the, the biggest cities uh, all not adopting the no new revenue rate. And I had a, a lady uh, named Erica who reached out and she was actually a mayoral candidate. You can read about it uh, in the article I wrote. But essentially, she has been... Um, uh, protesting Dunkelville. What they did uh, is what a lot of these cities are doing. There's a few good actors that have adopted the no new revenue rate, and we'll, we'll I'll mention them here in a minute. But um, essentially what they did is they did what Fort Worth and all these, they said, hey, we're lowering your rates, but that doesn't mean your taxes are going down. But they pitch it like your tax is going down because unless you lower to that no new revenue rate, which would be you know revenue neutral, uh, that would mean your your tax bill roughly stays the same. You would have to actually go below the no new revenue rate to see any significant uh, change. But most of these cities, especially the bigger ones, are lowering about halfway in between the voter approval rate and the no new revenue rate, which would it, it's a net reduction, but your property tax bill is going up. And so she came to me and told me the story how she was calling them out on this. And the crazy thing about Duncanville is they technically, I guess, are lowering the rate, but the voter approval rate, the rate that they proposed and actually did pass, was like 0.00002 below the voter the voter approval rate. And so they're literally like a microscopic decimal below what would trigger an election to approve the rate. And so it's so corrupt and so deceptive. Uh, and so I encourage y'all to go go read the article. But uh, what are your what are your thoughts on these cities, Jeremy, what they're doing? Yeah, I mean, I think this was certainly to be expected. It's a shame that I, I have to say that. Right. But like, you know, the way this was set up right in the kind of the 2019 you know big property tax reform package that the legislator legislature um, you know uh, passed and now this is kind of the first cycle in which a lot of that is coming into fruition and so you know the um, whether intentionally or not who knows but I think anyone that kind of pays attention to this could have seen that of course right of course this using this language most taxpayers probably don't know right no matter how much we talk about it right when they things like no new revenue rate right or they probably buy into uh, to your point right what uh, um, what some of their um, local elected officials are saying which well we're lowering your rate right and just take that as at face value and oh well that means the property tax bill I'm going to get October 1st is going to be lower. That might be true for some parts of the state, as we've talked about, right? Um, that might be true. But to your point, uh, and we talked about it on last week's episode, right? We're having the five largest municipalities, for instance, not adopt the, the rate, right? And, and as we start to see these school boards, for instance, the largest portion, 
of the property tax formula. So we start to see them set rates and, and stuff. I mean, I think we're going to figure out here very quickly that there might be some beneficiaries of the reform, but odds are there's probably not going to be that many. And lo and behold, here we are once again as taxpayers stuck, you know, stuck with higher property tax bills, albeit maybe they slowed the growth, which of course is the strategy. But uh, I think uh, we, I will not be surprised if, if what we end up with is, well, maybe it's a, a lower tax bill overall, but it, it still grew, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the most disappointing part to me, well, there's a lot of disappointing parts, but, you know, obviously the, the SB2, the 2019 bill that we, we reference often, you know, not only did it not uh, result in significant tax relief or an actual cut, it just slowed the growth. It actually, I think, has made the, the issue more convoluted and less transparent. And so, you know, when, when, when a city is able to say we lowered the rate but then there's no there's no requirement that they actually disclose. Well, but your taxes are still going to go up. What they did is made the the the, the terms seem simplistic. Like the no new revenue rate is a good name for that because that's what it is. But how the the formula actually works and what the cities are allowed to do by saying, hey, we lowered the rate, but you're actually your taxes are going up, but they can leave that part out. Uh, it, it laughs in the face of transparency, and it shows to me that it was a sloppily written bill uh, that was not thinking of taxpayers first. Uh, we need to make things as simple as possible, and we need to tie the hands of local governments. And honestly, we need to tie the hands of the state legislators as well uh, to make sure that what is being said, whether that be you know ballot language, whether that be uh, law at the state level or tax code at the county level, that it's easy to understand and disseminate, and that it is not confusing and deceptive to taxpayers. Uh, and we have not got that yet. So I'd like to see reform in that area. Of course, we would like to see property taxes completely eliminated. They're immoral. Uh, and we we have a chance to go around. We will see uh, what is what is going on. But, um, you know, we did actually recently have a, a poll that we tweeted uh, on this subject. You want to uh, kind of explain what, what the poll was, Jeremy, when it came out? Yeah, sure. So, you know, it, polling is polling is polling, right? But uh, this is kind of a, it, it gets stacked on a lot of things we've seen over really the last few months, um, if you will, that you have a growing kind of t- population in Texas that really wants to see what, what we call this kind of true property tax relief, not these trinkets that lawmakers at the state level especially uh, keep passing or proposing that they get to dub as property tax relief. But when you dig into it, right, actually only amounts to a, a few hundred dollars, if that at all, right? The, the polling that we see that, that I wrote about this week, it was uh, provided by the Defend Texas Liberty Pack, right? They had released some polling amongst several other questions. Um, but this question in, in, in uh, particular, right, they asked, and I'll read it verbatim, when the Texas legislature returns to Austin, which will be January 2023, right? They're going to have an estimated $27 billion surplus. The surplus, of course, is something that we've talked about many times. It's been something that's been updated, right? A few times it was last updated in mid-July by the state comptroller. Currently, he's projecting that that surplus is $27 billion, right? And so they asked in this poll to respondents, do you believe that the majority of the surplus should be used to lower property taxes? And of course, this could be done 
in a few ways, but the, what is most likely is talking about, right, um, is short of writing a physical check, if you will, to taxpayers is to do what's called the, the process of buying down, right? Something that we support, obviously, in our Texas Prosperity Plan to put us on a path to elimination, but buying down um, some portion of the property tax, which most likely means the maintenance and operations portion um, that we've talked about several times. But you see here in the poll, I mean, and, and we can get into the kind of more granular information, but generally, 66% of folks that responded to that um, agreed that a majority, whatever that majority is, a majority of that surplus should be used to provide actual property tax relief, right? Lower their property tax bills. And it was generally bipartisan, right? Like even obviously... Republicans there, it's the 78% majority, but you also had out of all three categories options, right? You had 44% of Democrats compared to the 32% that were no and 24% that were unsure. And so um, I, I think it just kind of bolsters the argument, if you will, that Texas taxpayers are reeling from this growing property tax burden and they need relief, actual relief. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's been a rough year on taxpayers, you know, not only with, with our out of control taxes, but, you know, with things like inflation, with things like gas prices, uh, and people are, are, are literally moving out of their homes because they can't afford to live in them anymore. Uh, and with years and years of promises from legislators saying that, you know, we've, we've going to reform the system, that we have reformed the system, uh, but yet nobody's property tax bill is going down. And you make an interesting point, like what is, what is the majority of the 27 billion? We've mentioned uh, previously that, you know, the rumors we hear is that almost half of that surplus has already been dedicated to other things. Now we'll, we'll see, you know, those are just rumors right now so we don't have anything on paper but if that's the case then uh, we're in trouble because half would certainly not be the majority uh, when I think majority I would think 80 to 90 percent this would be something like uh, representative Tom Oliverson and the bill he brought which we supported uh, in the I think second and third specials this last go round uh, and he basically said that you know we would use 90 percent of ongoing surpluses to pay down on school maintenance operation until the compression rate was zero eliminating MNO and that would be the first step in our plan like we want to we want all all property taxes eliminated, but the low-hanging fruit is that school maintenance and operation. It's about 65% of your property tax, and this is one of the best years to make a really big, sizable uh, take a chunk out of that, right? By using, you know, 20, 25 billion of this surplus, it would, it would be well over a thousand dollars. I think at my last, uh, uh, um, my last calculation, maybe even more than that, uh, for the average, uh, for the average Texan. So, uh, we certainly will be advocating for this, uh, and we're, we're hopeful that they do something, uh, coming up in this next legislative session. What are your, what are your thoughts? Jeremy? Yeah. I mean, I think kind of lastly, right. And I put this in, in the article I wrote and we've written about this several times, but you've got, you know, like, lawmakers in Texas, every statewide elected office is controlled by a Republican, right? It's been that way for almost two decades. Obviously, they've made promises over the span of those two decades for things like relief, right, from growing property tax burdens. But what should be noted is that in their own platform, right, passed in their own platform in June, and of course, we wrote about it because it's one prong of our Texas prosperity plan, they have language. You can see in front of you, I'll read it verbatim. Ask the property tax. We support replacing the property tax system for businesses and individuals with an alternative other than the income tax and requiring voter approval to increase the overall tax burden. We urge the legislature to immediately develop a transition plan that is a net tax cut. None of this like slow the growth strategy, right, or anything. You have Republicans in Texas, 
right? We saw that, of course, in the June uh, convention, but also, right, pro- Republican primary voters who overwhelmingly supported a ballot proposition calling for the elimination of such attacks. And the question I think that should be on all our minds, um, especially if you consider yourself a kind of fiscal conservative, likely on the Republican bent more, more so than the Democrat bent, is will your Republican lawmakers, which hold a majority, right, follow through and support uh, that not only the plank in the platform, but also the uh, ballot proposition language. Yeah, you know, we we will see. I know we have some hearings coming up. You're going to you're going to tell us about and it's important for taxpayers to engage. Uh, But that's about all we have this week. Uh, We appreciate y'all being with us. Of course, we will be back again next week. I believe we will be at the Capitol uh, next Thursday. So please tune in to uh, our our taxpayer talks next Thursday. It was a pleasure being with you all this evening. Have a good one. Take care. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Just want to remind you that next week, the Texas House Ways and Means Committee has scheduled an interim public hearing for Thursday, September 8th at 11 a.m. For taxpayers concerned about things like property taxes and corporate welfare, this is your chance to let state lawmakers know how you feel. And we at Texans for Fiscal Responsibility encourage you to do just that. If for some reason you cannot make it to the state capitol, you can also submit your thoughts electronically anytime between now and when the hearing itself takes place. Similarly, the Texas House Appropriations Committee has also scheduled hearings for both Thursday, September 8th and Friday, September 9th. Though these hearings are for invited testimony only, you can also still submit any comments you might have electronically. They will specifically be discussing things like the Employees and Teachers Retirement Systems of Texas, the Department of Family and Protective Services, the Health and Human Services Commission, the Texas Education Agency, and Higher Education, among other topics. The biennial budget process for the next two fiscal years is already underway, and this is your chance to be a part of it. Thanks again for tuning in. Remember to follow us on social media and subscribe to our weekly email, The Fiscal Note, to stay up to date with issues that affect your wallets. We'll see you next week.